Hi there, welcome to Magic Time. I'm Scott Squires, and the Moncton Magic are doing okay for themselves. They are off to round two in the National Basketball League of Canada playoffs, the first team to advance to the second round. And joining me on Magic Time, as he usually does, and we appreciate it, it's Coach Joe Salerno. How you doing, Coach? Hey, Scott. I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing excellent, sir. So congratulations on uh, getting the victory last night on the road in St. John. Before we kind of talk about the series and last night, how good does it feel to be moving on to round two? It, it feels great. Uh, it, it feels it feels great. You know, um, I, I tell the guys before the playoff starts, you know, especially some of our younger guys, you know, there, there's, there's few feelings in sports, I think, that, you know, are, are better than, than when you win a, a playoff series, you know, because you're – you're extending your season, you know, and, and, um, you know, you've accomplished something. And, and so it's, it's a great feeling. I mean, it's, it's certainly, um, uh, I was glad to, to get that series over with in three, um, you know, allow us to kind of, you know, rest a little bit and take care of our bodies a little bit, but, um, it was good. The guys were certainly excited last night, especially in the nature of which we won the game. And, and, um, you know, everybody, everybody's kind of flying high at the moment, which is great. Yeah, we'll talk about last night in detail in just a second, but maybe just talk about uh, the series overall because coming into it, uh, you know, we all knew that St. John was going to be a tough team. They had played you guys tough all season long. Defensively, they're very good. Uh, They're well coached by uh, Nelson Taroba. But just an overview of the entire series, Coach, uh, what do you think was the biggest difference for you guys to be able to get the three-game sweep? I thought we were just... I mean, certainly for, for two games, you know, the games one and two, you know, we were just 100% dialed in defensively. Um, you know, for those first two games, you know, unless we were, were turning the ball over, you know, which was giving St. John some easy runouts, like early in games, you know, nothing was coming easy, you know, against us. And I thought the guys fully understood how St. John wanted to play and, and what we needed to take away from them. Um, and they were just completely locked in. I think, I think last night in, in game three, um, you know, there's a nice crowd there and, and you're playing against a good team that, you know, it's back was against the wall. So they were going to have more energy. They were going to play you know, as, as hard as they possibly could. And it was going to be a little more of a challenge on the defensive end last night. But, um, you know, I, I thought that was the difference. I just thought that we were hundred percent locked in on a game plan. It was simple but it was effective when, when five guys were, were doing it the same way. And, and um, you know, that, that to me was, was the difference. I think that in, in the, in our depth, I mean, obviously uh, in that series, our depth was our biggest strength. Um, you know, I think going into game three, you know, we had outscored our bench, had outscored their bench, I think 75, 35, something along those lines. And, and, you know, we all understood that that was the key. That was the key to the series. That's where our strength was. Um, and the guys bought into, you know, using that, using that weapon and, and everybody uh, leaving it out there when they had an opportunity to play. So, you know, to me, that, that was those are some of the, the, the bigger parts to, you know, how the series went and, and how we were able to, uh, to get a sweep. And in sports, in series, you'll often heard it said that the toughest game to win is the closeout game, trying to finish off a team in a series. And you knew that St. John was going to leave it all out there on the Harbor Station floor. You mentioned the crowd. Uh, well over 3,400 people in attendance last night at Harbor Station. And Coach, uh, last night was kind of a gritty one. Uh, you know, it was a it was a back and forth affair, hard fought. 
uh, going to overtime. Uh, maybe just your thoughts on last night and just how difficult it was to get that closeout and finish off St. John. Yeah, it was it was really difficult. It was a really difficult game to to get, and you know, again, I think I think we all knew how difficult it was it was going to be. Um, you know, we we had there was there was a lot of things that you know kind of went against us a little bit last night. Um, you know, Billy White picking up two two early fouls, you know, early fouls in the, in the first quarter, which was the first time that had happened in that series. Um, you know, again, Corey Allman struggled a little bit shooting the basketball early on, and and uh, and then of course the intensity of which St. John came out with, and the energy which they came out with. So you know, we we, we kind of battled through all that. I thought uh, you know I thought the officials had a tough game last night. You know, I really do. I really think there were some some blatant calls missed last night on both ends. But um, I don't know if it was the moment or what. But it was it was just something else we had to kind of overcome last night. And and you know we we did so. Yeah, I was just proud of him. I was proud of the guys. And we talked about in the locker room after just how, you know, championship teams battle through adversity and, and they, they find ways to win. And, um, you know, I think we've had that theme throughout most of the regular season. And I'm, I'm just happy to see it carry over into the playoffs. And I know for you guys, it was kind of a back and forth game. Uh, you know, the ebb and flow, it was really much a, a pendulum swinging back and forth between the two teams. But you guys needed a big effort in the fourth quarter to get it to overtime, and you outscored St. John 30-22 in the fourth quarter. And the Moncton Magic have traditionally been a pretty good fourth-quarter team, but what was the biggest difference for you guys last night in the fourth quarter where you needed that big performance just to get it to overtime? Yeah, I, th- I think just the desire to, to close that game out, you know. I, I mean, I think, you know, we, we genuinely wanted to, to, to win that series last night. You know, we wanted nothing to do with a game four uh, St. John is, is, is a good team and, and, you know, they play with a lot of heart. They play with a lot of toughness and it's almost the type of team. If you, know, you, you, you give them any, any breath of, of life or, you know, they, they can see any light at the end of the tunnel, you know, they're going to be very difficult. So we just didn't want anything to do with it with a game four. And I mean, I think that was the, the overall theme amongst our entire roster last night in that game. Um, you know, then I think it's impossible not to credit Trey Kell. Um, and what he's done in this series, I mean, his, his numbers in those three games are just, they're incredible. They're MVP type numbers. And, uh, you know, he proved again to come up huge in the fourth quarter last night, uh, you know, along with Marcus Lewis as well, who was, who was great in the, in the closing minutes of the fourth. And then of course in the overtime. So I think it's a couple guys really stepped up. But uh, as a whole, as, as a unit, you know, we, we just really wanted that game. We, we wanted to win and, and close out that series. Yeah, great numbers for Trey Cal. 31 points, 8 rebounds, 5 assists. Uh, just another excellent night for your uh, big body point guard. And, you know, the other thing too, Coach, Dave Tingley and I on the two home broadcasts had talked about how really Frank Bartley and TJ Maston hadn't really gotten their games off. And, you know, if they could – it could be a difference maker for St. John. Well, they kind of did last night. Bartley with 32 points, three rebounds, seven assists. Maston, 21, eight, and four. Yet, the Moncton Magic still come out on the win. Even though Bartley and Maston kind of had a little more of their type of game, uh, what did you do to maybe shut down other guys so that Bartley and Maston's big nights really didn't have the effect that the Reptide wanted it to? Yeah, a couple things on on that, Scott. I mean, at first, you know... I- Again, just to touch on Trey Kell, 
you know, for a moment, you know, obviously reading off his numbers last night, but, you know, as a whole for those three games, you know, Trey Kell averaged 25 a game. He averaged almost eight rebounds, you know, just shy of four assists. I think he was a hundred percent from the free throw line in the series going 15 of 15. Um, I mean, th- those again, I-, I really just can't say enough about a very young, very mature kid in his first playoff series. And, and he was just uh, just phenomenal. But uh, moving on to the second part of your, your kind of your question there, um, it was interesting because we had done such a great job on Maston and Bartley in games one and two. I mean, we, we, we really truly did. Even when they were scoring the basketball, it was it was difficult to come by. And, and um, you know, I think part of that game plan in the series was, you know, forcing guys like John Harris, you know, or Jeremiah Morty, you know, those guys had to beat us. You know, those are the guys that really had to have big games, and we were going to really try to shut down their, their big two guns. Last night was, was a little bit of a different, you know, story where I, I think those big guns, Bartley and Mastin, and uh, being a closeout game, you know, they were that much more aggressive. I think part of St. John's game plan was certainly to, to kind of free up Bartley a little more than what they had and, and do a couple of different things, which they did. And it just so happened how we started defending those different actions. Um, you know, it kind of shut down the rest of their guys. So, you know, I think it was just the, the best of both worlds for us in that series. And, you know, we, we, we just did a nice job defensively overall. And I know that, you know, coaches can't get too specific when they're referencing officiating. And I'm not going to ask you to do that. But I am going to ask you to comment on something that my broadcast partner, Dave Tingley, uh, said in a tweet last night, and I'm going to loosely phrase it, but as we know, and anybody listening to this podcast knows, Dave Tingley is absolutely the president of the Denzel Taylor fan club, and why not? He's a tremendous young man, and we've talked about it on this podcast about how good he is and what he brings to the table. But there was a sequence last night where uh, a couple of things happened with Denzel on the offensive and then defensive end of the floor. And, and again, I'm loosely phrasing but Dave made the comment of something along the lines of, you know, what is Denzel going to have to do in his game to kind of get the benefit of the doubt or to get some of those calls? And I ask you that because it's obviously got to be something that's frustrating for Denzel. What kind of things do you talk to him about? And can the coaching staff say to Denzel that kind of helps him work that? Because that's something that we've seen time and again with Denzel is that maybe he's not quite getting some of the benefit that you might think he should get. Yeah, it is tough. It's tough. I mean, luckily, Denzel Taylor, he just has a phenomenal head on his shoulders, you know, and, and he never gets too hot or, or too cold, never too high, too low. You know, he, he just knows, you know, officials are going to make calls or they're not going to make calls. And, and he ultimately has to kind of roll with those punches. And, you know, we, we, we've looked at a lot of Denzel's fouls. We, we've talked to them a lot, you know, because he is a very physical player. I mean, he has to play physical, being undersized, you know, playing against guys like Mastin and, and like Randy Phillips, who, who either has two to three inches or has, you know, 20 to 30 pounds on him. You know, he has to do that to, to defend things effectively. You know, we've talked to him a little bit about being, you know, trying to show hands a little bit more, you know, being a little less handsy in the block, making sure you never go to two hands on, on a player's back when you're defending in the post. You know, very, very small things like that we've, we've done, uh, we've talked to him about, uh, but he's going to play one way. He's going to play hard, you know, all the time. And uh, we've definitely recently cleaned up a lot of fouls on him 
when he gets called for moving screens. You know, it's nowhere near the amount that he was called for last year. So, you know, you just don't want to change Denzel's game. And, and I would never want to change Denzel's game. I think it's just trying to find small things that, that may get him a, a couple fouls less called on him per game. And, Coach, you know, you can have a game plan going into a series. You can kind of map out how you think it's going to go. Uh, and in this particular case, you do get the three consecutive wins and get the three-game sweep versus the Riptide. But for you and the coaching staff, other than what you've already talked about on the podcast, what's been the biggest takeaway from this series that you can use to get your team prepped for the next round? I think I think the guys, they, they really know. I mean, we really spent a lot of time. We had a lot of time. We had a lot of time preparing for St. John. We spent a lot of time you know, looking at the, the, the two or three things that they do, you know, the, the best or that they do most commonly and, and really 100%, you know, showed the guys how we wanted to defend those actions. And, and we just, we just hammered it. We just drilled it in practice. And I think the takeaway from the series is that we're, we're very capable of executing uh, from a defense perspective, a game plan against a certain team, you know, and I, I think, the guys are going to have more confidence from this series in that vein, you know, moving on to a, a next round opponent. Um, you know, and I think also the guys understand that, you know, we have depth and, and I do think we're going to have more depth than any team that we play. And I think the guys have a hundred percent bought into that. And they understand that um, I think for us to win a championship, it legitimately is going to take all 12 guys. And that's whether they're contributing on the floor we're contributing on the bench, um, you know, with a positive attitude, or whatever it may be, it's going to take all 12. So I think those are a couple of takeaways from this uh, first round series with St. John. And I know that uh, the Moncton Magic crowd travels pretty well. And we referenced the big crowd at the Harbor Station last night in St. John, but a pretty good contingent of Moncton Magic fans on hand. Coach, uh, were you guys aware? Could you feel them up there in the stands at Harbor Station? Yeah, Scott, I'm glad you brought that up because – they were phenomenal last night, you know, and I'm not saying that lightly and I'm not saying it because it's the, the correct thing to say. They, they, they were phenomenal in, in the support they showed the number of fans that came. Um, I mean, it was double to triple the amount of magic fans that came, you know, to road games in the playoffs last year against St. John. Um, they had signs, they had noisemakers, you know, they were chanting let's go magic during starting lineups throughout the course of the game. It, it, it really was, I mean, just uh, incredible to, to see and, you know, how much the guys appreciated it, you know, and uh, it was just great. I mean, John, John Manship and, and his wife, Leslie were, were there, Ali, you know, they were, his whole family was there. And I mean, they were some of the loudest people in the building, maybe not John, but certainly Leslie and, and, and Ali and just the support, that, that our guys have, you know, from the organization and from our fan base is, uh, is phenomenal. And, and it, it really helped pull us through a tough game last night. And there may be some that don't really understand that or can't wrap their mind around how that can help. But for someone that's been there and experienced it as recently as last night, how can that kind of support help? And, and what are some moments where maybe it kind of helps lift up the guys and, and kind of push you through? It's just momentum. You know, it's just momentum. I mean, when you make a couple of big plays or, or knock down a big shot and I mean, just to, to hear that support and, and to hear, you know, your fans, you know, there and, and, and just backing you, 
I mean, it just, it just picks your energy up. You know, we actually shortened our bench last night really more than the games one or two. Um, you know, Freddie McSwain didn't play quite as much. Wayne McCullough didn't play quite as much last night. Um, you know, we were kind of running with a very specific group of guys and, and they were gassed. They were tired, you know, and, and, um, I think our fans, like I said, they, they just provide that extra spark of energy for you. And, um, you know, it's, 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 it's hard to describe unless you, you felt it before, but, uh, I know it's a great feeling. It's a great feeling when you're in an opposing team's building, um, yet, you're the main voice you're hearing is, is support for, for you and, and your team trying to, trying to get a win. So it, it was great. Yeah, it definitely was. And I know the fans were excited, obviously, when you guys got the victory. Something else as well, and you and I talked about this the other day on a podcast ahead of the series, but, uh, you know, I, I wanted to really pay attention to the matchup uh, on the coaching side of things with you and Nelson Taroba. I know that you guys are friends off the court and you got a lot of respect for one another. And I wanted to mention that specifically because I know that you sent out a tweet uh, directed at Coach Taroba. Uh, maybe, you know, for fans that may, don't know Coach Taroba, you know, what was kind of the sentiment behind that tweet and uh, maybe just a couple of words about your coaching opponent in this series, Nelson Taroba? Yeah, no, I mean, he's, you know, he's, he's a friend of mine, he's a good friend of mine. We, we see each other an awful lot in the summer. Um, you know, we talk a lot of basketball, and, and I think I've said before, I mean, I've, you know, I spent time with, with Coach Tarobo probably at least three different cities last summer. Um, you know, in, in Vegas and Houston and Florida, and uh, you know, obviously we we chatted a lot at the draft combine, and and um, you know, he's just a he's just a good guy first and foremost. You know, and, and he's certainly a good coach, and um, you know, he, he's a guy that uh, you know I feel I I learn stuff from uh, every year coaching against him. Um, you know, the way his team plays, some of the things he does offensively and, and things like that. So, you know, anytime that, that I'm, uh, you know, almost, it's hard to explain. I'm almost kind of brought towards a, a guy because I like how his team plays or, or I, you know, like something that they do, you know, it's, it's, you know, you already kind of respect the guy. And, and then, you know, when you get to know him and, uh, you know, he's just a, a generally, you know, a good, good guy, you know, him and I actually, you know, we had a beer last night, you know, after, uh, after the game and, um, you know, he's just, a, he's a good guy. He works hard. He does things the right way. And, um, you know, I know he got off to a tough start over there, uh, this season, you know, we kind of pulled his, his team together and, and, um, you know, I hope, I hope he stays around the league for a while because, uh, he's a good coach and, you know, our league needs good coaches. Yeah, and uh, I certainly enjoy having a chance to chat with him whenever he comes into Moncton, and I would certainly second your sentiment, uh, a super good guy. So, the St. John Riptide uh, have been heaved away to use the Avenir Center Kitchen Party song by the Fables uh, that they play at the end of, toward the end of every Moncton Magic victory. Uh, now, the next game for you guys, you know it's going to be on Thursday, next Thursday, uh, which is the 18th, I believe but you do not know your opponent. It's going to either be the Cape Breton Highlanders or the Halifax Hurricanes, who are now going to a fifth game on Saturday night. How intently will you be paying attention to that game Saturday night, Coach, to see who your opponent's going to be? I think I'm going to go. I think I'll probably drive down to the game. Um, you know, First of all, I think it's going to be an incredible atmosphere, uh, Scotiabank and you know, it's a game five, you know, which is the same as a game seven, you know, so anytime you have an opportunity to, 
to see a game like that. You know, I, I'm still a basketball fan, so I'm certainly going to want to go down and, and enjoy the atmosphere of a, of a game five. Um, obviously, you know, we'll be paying very close attention to, to, you know, kind of what those two teams are doing. It'll be the last time that either of them play before we, uh, we see them live. And of course we'll, we'll probably, you know, spend a lot of time in the film based on their whole series, but, uh, you know, there's nothing like seeing a game live. So I'm, I'm sure I'll probably go down and, uh, I'm very, very interested, uh, to see who comes out on top in that series. You know, I think it's been a, it's been a great series so far. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to, to Saturday evening. Yeah, it should be interesting because both teams have won on the other's court and you throw in the fact that it's a deciding game five. So uh, just about anything can happen. So that'll be a lot of fun. The other side of it is coach, you know, you had a, a bit of a, a break from the last regular season game to your first playoff game. You didn't seem overly rusty, but you've got another fairly significant break now with roughly uh, seven days between games. Uh, what will the preparation be like? What's kind of the game plan for you, the coaching staff and the team over the next seven days? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, really it's only it's only a two to three day kind of advantage. I mean, obviously, uh, we're not going to know who our opponent is until really Sunday morning. Um, so when it comes to you know, planning for your opponent, preparation for the series, I mean, that really starts Sunday morning, uh, which will be the same for whatever team, you know, wins game five. Uh, so the advantage I think is, is rest and recovery. I mean, that, that's, that's really what it is. So, um, you know, the guys actually have the day off. Uh, actually, I'm sorry. Tomorrow we have some, uh, yoga, mandatory yoga uh, group session for the team tomorrow and probably some real light shots in the morning. And, and then we'll practice Saturday and, um, probably have Sunday off and then practice Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. So, you know, I mean, for us, it's, it's, it's great that we close the series out. You know, it's two less games physically banging on on our bodies that that we'll kind of have in hand over whoever our opponent is. So, again, taking care of that series in three last night, you know, hopefully we'll pay off dividends come the conference finals. And I should uh, take an opportunity here. Well, we're going to talk some other sports in just a second, but uh, I want to mention real quick uh, Marcus Lewis because, you know, we certainly know that to play in this league, you've got to be an athlete. And there's some guys in your team that can get up. But my goodness, Coach, the last little while, Marcus Lewis has just completely gone skyward uh, time and time again. I, I would say the last four or five games, you could put a highlight reel together of just him going up and getting the ball and, and slamming it down or flying through the air for a highlight reel jam, whatever the case may be. I know you're his coach and you got to coach him. But do you ever just kind of fan out and become a fan guy and just kind of watch Marcus do his thing? I, I definitely do after games. I, I absolutely do after games. I, you know, I, I love watching, you know, the highlight clips of, of Marcus Lewis and his dunks. You know, like I said, I'm, I'm still a basketball fan. Um, you know, when it happens in a game, you know, I'm honestly, it, it, it's pretty rare. I'm, I'm kind of like, wow, or whoa, you know, it's, it's kind of like, are we getting back on defense? Are we, are we picking up our matchups right now? It's, it's really on right to the next play. But, um, yeah, I mean, seeing the dunk that he had on, on TJ Mastin, uh, you know, watching that over and over here, you know, last night after the game and then today, I mean, Marcus Lewis, I mean, he's not just an athlete. I mean, he's a competitor and, you know, he's an intense dude. And, you know, he, he's so intense on the defensive end. You know, I think his adrenaline is just pumping and, and uh, 
you know, we want Marcus to be nasty, you know, on the defensive end and, and try to make his matchups night kind of a, uh, just a nightmare, right? I mean, that's our, we're always kind of getting him jacked up before game and, and you know, kind of giving him a couple comments about whatever just to kind of get him a little fired up. So I think when Marcus is in that mode, you know, when he goes to the rim, I mean, he's going with bad intentions. I mean, he doesn't go up just to dunk the ball. He goes up to, to, to you know, make a point. And, and I love that. I absolutely love that about Marcus. I know our, the guys on our team love that. It's, it's such a huge momentum boost when he puts down a big dunk. And, uh, you know, he's in playoff mode. And, you know, like the dunk he had last night on Maston, I mean, that's a playoff-type dunk. That's a postseason dunk. You know, that's a that's a statement dunk. And, and I really love that about him. And, and he's just been really good lately. You know, we were very fortunate uh, to have an athlete and a player, you know, like Marcus on our team. So I've uh, just been very pleased with him. He's been great. Well, you called it when uh, Marcus and Freddie McSwain joined the team and you were watching them in practice. And you told me, keep an eye on these guys. And you were absolutely right, coach. And we're in the NBL playoffs now, but uh, another big tournament that was taking place in March just wrapped up recently. And uh, a team. Virginia. The Virginia Cavaliers get the championship, Coach. Uh, your thoughts on March Madness? Well, my thoughts are, are uh, the congratulations is in order, Scott. I mean, I, my thought is, you know, uh, congratulations to you for, for winning our Magic Madness, March Madness pool, taking my previous crown over, uh, you know, but, but it's great. It was a great pick. You were the only guy out of 25 people you know, in our pool had Virginia winning. And I know you told me you went with your gut on that pick and, and it certainly uh, came to fruition. So, I mean, it was, it was great. I mean, it, it could have gone, you know, the, the crown could have stayed in the Salerno household should Virginia lost that game. Um, but again, very impressive, certainly impressed that, uh, you know, you picked Virginia and, and those are the guys who got it done. I've got to have a heart-to-heart talk with my gut because if, if my gut all of a sudden is going to start proving more right than it has been wrong, I might have to start listening to my gut more often, Coach. Isn't that great? Isn't that great when that happens? <laughs> when, you, when you listen to your gut and it works out, it's a, it's a great feeling, you know, for sure. And uh, that was a great tournament. It was, it was a phenomenal, you know, March Madness tournament all the way around. And, and it was a great, uh, great magic pool that we had once again this year. And, uh, Hopefully looking to expand it next year. Yeah, it was a lot of fun, and uh, I am very honored and proud to now uh, have the crown for at least one year. We'll see what happens next year. But, uh, yeah, it, it was a phenomenal tournament, and the Final Four was just fantastic. And another tournament that's going on that I know that you've got some keen interest in uh, teed off today. It's uh, the first major of the golf season, the Masters. Uh, what are your thoughts on the Masters, Coach? Man, my thought is that it's it's literally the best weekend of the year. <laughs> I mean, literally, maybe other than, you know, I have a, a span of uh, three birthdays and six days in my household with my wife and two kids. They, you know, that's a great time. That's a great week. But boy, the Masters is, is, is a close second. You know, I, I love the Masters. It is it is by far my favorite sporting event. I don't even think it's close. And um you know, I was glued. I was glued to the TV today. We got back from St. John this morning, and and uh, you know, luckily I was able to to kind of just relax today and watch a lot of the Masters. And uh, I just love. I just you know, it just never ceases to amaze me just how 
head and shoulders above the Masters is how pristine it is compared to literally every other sporting event in the world. I mean, it, it just, it blows me away. It's mind boggling. And I think that's part of the, the attraction to me. It's just so elite and uh, it's just so perfect, you know, and, and I just, I love it. I absolutely love the masters and I think it's going to be a great, uh, great tournament. Yeah. I know what you mean with the masters. It's almost like uh, you're witnessing a, a live action Disney movie with just the, the most perfect greens and the sky and the trees and, and everything else. I, I, completely understand what you're saying now i know that they're talking about maybe a little bit of weather tomorrow into the weekend but today was nice and we know that sunday could look very different than the leaderboard on thursday after round one but right now you've got uh, justin harding from south africa and adam scott from australia and john rom from spain uh, leading the way. So you got a South African, an Australian, and a Spaniard right now at the top of the leaderboard, all at three under. But uh, who you like, and Coach, who do you think is going to be there in the final group on Sunday? Boy, you know, I I, I don't know. And it's it's pretty jammed up. You know, the one-shot lead after day one right now. And there's still guys out on the course. But, um, yeah, I, I, like, I like DJ a little bit. I like DJ, Justin Johnson, um, I, I, I don't know why. Maybe it's a gut thing. Um, I mean, obviously, I think he's number two in the world right now. But, um, you know, I think I think he's due, you know, to win the Masters. But there's so many guys. I'm also a pretty big Justin Thomas fan. I, I think he's phenomenal. He's just so rock solid all the time. And But the two guys I'm rooting for, Scott, I don't know who's going to win. I mean, there's 10 to 15 guys who could probably win that tournament this year. But, um I'd love to see Tiger Woods win. I mean, nothing more. I'd be more. I'd be so excited to see Tiger Woods win a win another Masters and um, got off to a great start today. Two under, one shot off the lead, and uh, or that or, or Ricky Fowler. You know, I, I just I'm a big Ricky Fowler fan. I, I love uh, what he brings to the game. I, I love the character he has, and um, you know the attraction that that he he creates for young golf fans. And um, you know, he's been close. He was close last year, and. I'd love to see him win, you know, a major, you know, and, and um, hopefully it's this weekend. Yeah, and Woods and Fowler, as you said, both with uh, good opening days, uh, both uh, finished for the day at two under. And uh, your guy, DJ, Dustin Johnson, through 11, he's at two under coach. So, uh, you know, DJ's looking good. Again, this is only day one, but uh, you always want to get off to a good start on day one at the Masters. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's... Uh, you know, I will be, I will be tuned in. I have the, you know, every, every year, you know, at the start of April, I make sure I download the masters app, right. I'm, I'm on it. I'm constantly on it. I'm uh it's, it's kind of a scary addiction. It actually makes my wife laugh because like, I, I'm never, I never watch television. I never watch, you know, television. I'm never sitting in the living room and I'm, I'm usually on my laptop watching game film or I'm, you know, on my phone watching, watching our games and, but like you can't get me away from it. You can't get me away from the Masters. It was literally on three different televisions in my house today, just in case I was walking into another room. Like that's that's just how it is. That's how it is during uh, this weekend in April. So, and, you know, I know I know Mike Story. Uh, Mike Story is a big, big time Masters fan as well. He actually we had dinner uh, the other night. For people who don't know, Mike Mike's the VP of, of the Magic. Um, 
you know, Mike, Mike's been to, uh, his father's played at Augusta national, which just like blew me away. And he was telling me about it and actually really cool. He sent me a, a photo after dinner the other night, he sent me a photo of his father's scorecard from playing at Augusta. And, uh, Mike has actually been to the masters a few times and, and taken in the event. So, um, I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to, to see Mike again, just to talk to him more about Augusta. And, uh, but he's also a big Masters guy, so we'll be, we'll be texting a lot back and forth this weekend. Yeah, that's really cool. Uh, and, and I don't know what it is, Coach, but I've, I've, I've got this feeling like your players know you so well. I almost think they might have gotten together away from the coaching staff and said, hey, you know, uh, you know, coach likes the Masters, right? So, uh, you know, let's let's get uh, let's get this series done in three straight, and uh, give coach a little extra time to check out the Masters. So, you know, maybe that was part of it too, right? Yeah, I tend to doubt. I don't think my guys like me enough to to to, to do that. But um, they they know I'm a big time golf fan. I was actually, you know, last night at dinner, I was talking with uh, sitting with Wayne McCullough. Actually, he's a pretty big golfer and. Uh, we were talking some golf and it's, it's getting to be that time of year, right? It's warming up and, uh, you know, Camden and myself, we've been, we've been making putts in the living room for about a week now. So we're, we're getting ready to, to roll. We're getting ready for, uh, for golf season, but, uh, I'm hoping for at least about another month of, of NBA Canada basketball, uh, before we, we really get into the, the golf stuff. Yeah, that would be uh, very good indeed. I know Dave and I would certainly appreciate that, and that's what we're looking forward to. Last thing before we let you go, you know, we we always finish off talking about something other than basketball, and quite often family is involved. But we'll just go back to basketball for one second, but it does relate to family. You had family come up. I know your mom came up for uh, game one, and then you had, I believe it was, a couple of aunts and an uncle and some other family come up for uh, for game two. But what did it mean to you to be able to have uh, so many of your family in-house at Moncton for uh, the opening round of the playoffs, Coach? Yeah, it was it was great. I mean, it was it, was, it really was. I, you know, I, I probably can't really describe uh, how great it was because, I mean, you know, we don't get a lot of family up. We, we don't have um, a lot of different family. Let me put it that way. You know, certainly grandparents come up quite a bit. Uh, but it's a pretty good haul. You know, it's a... It's an 11 or 12 hour drive, you know, from, from where Darcy and I are, are kind of from, uh, you know, or a, a pretty expensive plane ticket. So it's, it's not too often that, you know, a lot of our family members come up, but, um, yeah, my uncle Mike, uh, and my aunt Kathy, who's on, on my mother's side, my aunt Linda, uh, and her daughter, Christy, who's my cousin. Uh, they're both on my mother's side as well. You know, they, they all made the trip up, um, you know, for, for game two there and, you know, it was nice. They just came up and spent the weekend. You know, the the first day they were here on uh on Saturday, we had a, a great dinner at, at my house. Actually, we cooked up some steaks and, and some chicken on the on the grill, and uh, um, you know, just had a really nice kind of family dinner at my house. And then Sunday, of course, they went to the game, and then Sunday night we went out to dinner at uh, Gusto's in Moncton, which was great. And you know, then they left on Monday, but um, it means a lot. It means a lot, not just only supporting you know, myself and, and like the magic, although they're, they're big time magic fans. Um, it's more so, you know, it means a lot that, that my, my children get to, to see their extended family um, because they don't get to do that often, you know? So, so anytime an opportunity like that comes around, I, I really value it. I cherish it. And, um, you know, I just love, I love seeing my kids be able to, to spend time with, uh, you know, family from Vermont. So it was, uh, it was really cool. And I really can't, you know, tell you how much I appreciate that them uh, coming to visit. 
Well, it was cool as well because uh, I got to meet all of those uh, extended family members with the Salernos. Something else, real quick, I'll ask you. It just popped in my head, and I'll ask you before I let you go. Uh, you're Joe. Your father is Joe. Your grandfather is Joe. And then there's Camden. Now, Coach, this may seem like the obvious question, but you got Joe, Joe, and Joe. Was there ever any thought that Camden was going to be Joe? You know, there was a there was a brief one, and it, it should have been longer than brief. Um, you know, there's certainly been times, you know, now over the last few years that I've said, you know what, I kind you know kind of wish we we had you know named Cam Joe the fourth, you know. But at the same time, Cam, you know, Cam, like he is just Cam, right? And, and that name fits him, I think, to a T. Um, but yeah, there was there was times. I mean, I I know growing up you know, in, in central Vermont area, that's where my grandfather, you know, spent most of his professional life. And, and of course my father and myself, everybody knew one of the Joe Salernos, right? I mean, it was whether my grandfather, because he was in the insurance business for forever, he was an insurance man. And, and, you know, I think when he was working insurance during that time period, he just knew a lot of people, right. In, in small towns. And then my father, you know, who just, is probably the most social butterfly you can meet. He's a, he's a salesman. I always say he can sell ice to Eskimos. Right. And I mean, a lot of people knew my, my father and then, and then myself kind of a little more through sports, you know, I just kind of knew a lot of people through athletics. So everyone knew Joe and um, I don't know. I, I just kind of wanted Cam to, I don't know, maybe have his own identity, just kind of be his own, own guy, you know, and, and um, I, I love, I love Cam. I love the name, you know, I, I love Cam and I think he does too, but yeah, there are times Scott that I, I kind of, I think like, you know what, probably should have gone with the fourth there, but, uh, but it's all good. Oh, it is. And you know something you're right. Cam is so his own person. He's so unique. It's really good actually that he's got his own name. And from my perspective, I'm really glad you named him Cam. Because I was talking to your wife, Darcy, before game one, and she was giving me the rundown of the family that was coming up, and she told me about Joe, your dad, and then the other Joe, which I didn't know your grandfather was Joe. So then I was trying to explain it live on the broadcast in game one, and I got into such a quagmire trying to explain it all that I had to just pull the ripcord and get out because I was just going, I really, all of a sudden, I'm, I'm sure the listeners were wondering, who Joe is what now? So really, the fact that there wasn't another one that I had to work in the conversation, I really appreciated it. So I'm glad you named him Cam too. Yeah, yeah. Hey man, you know we've had some issues. Like my grandfather and myself, we have the same middle initial. Uh, he's Paul. I'm Patrick. You know we've we've had like male issues a lot. You know especially once uh, like my mail would be sent to him and, and vice versa. You know, and then my father, his short stint up here in Canada, um, when he was working for the, the, the Miracles, um, somehow his and my Canadian taxes got very confused. And, and, and somehow they got, I know it sounds impossible, but um, there was a mix-up with a SIN number because the, the temporary SIN numbers. And long story short, it, it took me almost two full years to get my taxes straightened out with the Canadian government all just because my father worked up here for, you know, eight, nine months. So believe me, you're not the only person 
who can get confused with the, uh, the Joes of the Salerno family. Uh, uh, if, if the Canadian Revenue Agency, which is the Canadian equivalent of the IRS, if they can mix it up and get it confused, then all of a sudden they don't feel so bad, Coach. Yeah, you shouldn't feel bad because, believe me, they got it mixed up. And it took a long time to get it, uh, get it untangled. So, no, don't, don't feel bad about it at all. Well, Coach, uh, we appreciate you again taking time out of your evening to chat with us here on Magic Time. And again, congratulations on uh, the three consecutive wins, getting the series sweep over the St. John Riptide. And we're certainly looking forward to getting you guys back on the court next Thursday for tip-off for round two. Yeah, no problem, Scott. Thanks again for uh, for having me on. And congratulations to you as well on your Magic uh, March Madness pool victory. Uh, I look forward to seeing both you guys there on a Thursday evening. Well, thank you very much, sir, and uh, we will indeed see you next week. Uh, enjoy your weekend. Enjoy the Masters. All right. Thanks, Scott. That's Coach Joe Salerno of the Moncton Magic. Certainly appreciate the coach stopping by, as he always does. And it means a lot to the fans, I know, and to me as well, to have him on Magic Time. And again, just a reminder, we don't know who the Magic will be playing yet. That'll be decided Saturday night at Scotiabank Center in Halifax. The Cape Breton Highlanders and the Halifax Hurricanes will be going to head going head-to-head in battle Game 5. Whoever wins that one will play the Moncton Magic in Round 2. And a reminder, Moncton Magic have got home court throughout the playoffs as deep as they go. Game 1 in Round 2 scheduled for next Thursday at the Avenir Center in Moncton. Until next time, friends, this has been Magic Time. I'm Scott Squires. And remember, if you can't take part in sport, be a good one anyway. Bye for now.